Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, October 5th. How much have prices at the grocery store changed since last Thanksgiving? We discuss what you can expect to pay to put the feast together this year, and if there's any relief in sight for consumers, with Sylvain Charlebois, professor and director of the Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Thanksgiving can be a stressful time for some. We get some tips on how to prepare yourself mentally and keep your sanity at the family gathering this weekend with mental health advocate and social worker Karen Gallagher-Burt. And finally, the use of ADHD medication in adults is on the rise across Canada. In fact, it's increased by as much as 17% year over year in some provinces. Are people finally getting the medication they need or is this the result of social media influence? We tackled the topic with Alia Abijud, assistant professor from the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Toronto. Just how much has the cost of that Thanksgiving feast increased since last year's Thanksgiving festivities? Joining us to discuss this, and if there's any relief in sight for Canadians at the checkout line, is Sylvain Charlebois, professor and director of the Agri-Foods Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Welcome back to the program once again, Professor. Thank you. Do we have any indication? Are there numbers, stats, facts, and figures to break down how much more we'll be shelling out this year for Thanksgiving compared to last? Oh, that's a good question. So if you want an itemized answer, I can give you one right now. In fact, our lab, we looked at different um, items that are typically quite popular uh, during Thanksgiving. And uh, the list the list is long. Let's start with the bird, the turkey mm-hmm. itself. It's plus 18% compared to last year Oof. on average. And these are averages. These are national averages. Uh, but you should be expecting to pay about 18% more than last year. So I would say a dollar fifty a pound should be the target. If anything above that, it would be probably a little bit too much. Uh, tofu... Minus six if you're a vegetarian. <laughs> uh, potatoes plus 13%, butter plus 10%, milk plus 5%, squash, that's the big one, uh, plus 63%, sweet potatoes plus 40%, pumpkins uh, plus 12%. So, yeah, everything is in the pluses except for cranberries <laughs> and tofu. There you go. You know what we're having for Thanksgiving dinner if you're coming over, Sylvain? Uh, cranberries <laughs> and tofu. And I believe exactly. just, that was a lengthy list. It was uh, basically 12% one of the lowest increases that we had there? Like 12%? Yeah, well, when you look at the entire list, uh, so milk is plus 5. Okay. Uh, hey, hummus is plus 2%. There you go. So it's we got that bad. We can add that to our cranberries and tofu. Uh, but... Uh, it's inter- I'm thinking potluck. What, you, what do you think? <laughs> It'll be a very interesting uh, potluck. <laughs> now, of course, uh, we celebrate with, with family and friends and get together, but also I believe it's uh, uh, this weekend or more so moving into Monday that the federal government drew the line in the sand and gave the major grocers uh, till Thanksgiving to find relief for Canadians at the grocery store. What progress has been made to rein in the grocery store chains? Are we going to be hitting that goal? Uh, what are you hearing? Uh, I'm I'm hearing different things. Uh, so as you probably know, I was actually in the room with the Big Five when Minister Champagne was meeting with uh, all of the grocers back in Ottawa a few weeks ago. 
It was an interesting meeting, uh, and uh, it was actually quite constructive. I know a lot of people are saying it's political theater. Well, of course it is. But beyond that, uh, I think I think grocers, when you have someone like Galen Weston or Michael Medline showing up, uh, you don't want to waste their time. So I don't think time was wasted. There was a good conversation happening there. However, um, I mean, Ottawa intervening, uh, price fixing or uh, price controlling. I mean, a lot of these things are a bit scary. Uh, there's also discussions about a windfall tax uh, on grocers. I mean, all of these things can actually make things worse for Canadians over the long term. So that's why I'm a little bit nervous with today's announcement at 1 o'clock Eastern because you may actually see a populist government uh, making really critical economic mistakes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it is today at 1 o'clock Eastern, I, I Yeah, presume. that's right. Okay, well, we will get these answers. We're having discussions behind the scenes about our, our will we or will we not. And then the other side of the coin is uh, because we're talking about these major grocers and these retailers, these uh, companies generally can't turn on a dime. What are the odds that we see relief for this weekend? This is something that would I would think take time to implement. Oh, I don't think, I mean, the, first of all, I think we need to stop telling Canadians that uh, food prices will drop. It's not going to happen. Uh, I think what, what's critical uh, is that uh, we need to uh, make sure that people are aware that uh the government is trying to control food inflation, not necessarily food prices. And that's the key here uh, that we need to remember. Because when you look at industrial prices, so the price of food that grocers are paying before they sell those products to us, the index has actually outpaced the retail index. So whenever a grocer says, uh, we're under tremendous pressure, our prices have gone up, it's actually true. It's it's actually in the data. So it's not about believing or not believing grocers. It's actually in the data. It's there for everyone to see. And so uh, pressures are real. But uh, at the end of the day, 82% of Canadians actually believe that profiteering is happening. Mm. So <laughs> that's that's a real problem. Very interesting. The other side is, could it be a case that we have had it good in Canada for so many years that when things get back into line, and as you say, these retailers and these uh, grocery store giants are saying, you know what, we are against the wall. Uh, if they're being honest, and I, and I believe they are, it seems like you are, uh, that we are just paying what we should be paying, and it's just kind of a hit in the pocket now because we had it so good for so long. I, I think so. Uh, and I know that a lot. It's, it's not a popular thing to say, but I actually do believe that consumers have been well served over the years. And if you actually look at the amount of money we spend on food uh, relative to our incomes, uh, the percentage is incredibly low. It, it is the sixth lowest in the world. Wow. So at 10%. So we spend about 10% of our budget on food. That's, that's the sixth lowest. And, of course, the lowest in the world is right south of us, the United States, at 6.1%. We often compare ourselves with the United States, but the United States' world is quite different. 
Yeah, I guess it's hard to compare apples to oranges at times, right? Uh, but when we talk about the, the causes behind these high prices, inflation obviously uh, top of list, supply chain was an issue, and of course we cannot exactly guarantee what's going to be happening when it comes to agriculture. Seasons can be different. Uh, can we expect any relief when it comes to supply chain or, or different things that might give us relief besides the government stepping in? Um, honestly, I believe in markets, and markets are actually doing the work. Uh, regardless of what Ottawa is going to do, uh, I actually do think that uh, things are actually improving. Uh, food inflation is down to 6.8%, again, the second lowest uh, food inflation rate in within the G7 uh, after the United States. Um, it, from, from July to August, all food categories got cheaper. You heard me right, got wow. cheaper, except for fish and seafood. No one's talking about that. No one is mentioning anything because everyone is looking for that $35 chicken breast or that $120 turkey. Nobody's talking about how things are improving. We should, talk, we should be thankful for that since it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess sometimes we choose to see things the way we want to see them. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, that could be the case. In the meantime, yeah. the, the tofu and cranberries will be ready for you on Sunday. I'll get you my address. And hummus. Hummus. Hummus, too. Yeah. Hummus. Well, you're, you're bringing That's that, right. Sylvain, I think. Uh, thank sure. No problem. <laughs> thank you so much. Candy for cane hummus. <laughs> You've got to be creative. Thanks so much yeah. for your time, and, and happy Thanksgiving to you, Sylvain. We appreciate it. You, too. Take care. Take care. That is Sylvain Charlebois, Professor and Director, Agri-Foods Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. It is time for our mental health moment. Thanksgiving is a great time to connect with family, but... If your kids are texting or using their phones at the dinner table connecting, it could be a bit of a challenge if their, you know, heads are down and you're saying, oh, come on, Jane, let's have a cup. Jane, how it's very difficult. Let's put those phones in a basket. That's my thought anyway. So joining us to discuss some great strategies to make it a successful Thanksgiving and actually maybe communicate effectively and in a non-violent way with family, we're joined by Karen Gallagher-Bert, mental health advocate and social worker, as she works out of the Distress Center. Uh, good morning to you once again, Karen. Good morning. I'm on time today. I made it. You did make it. And, and if you don't, we, we can do you by phone. We love having you on. Yeah. I, I wanted to be here in person because yeah. this is an important conversation. It's important, but you're holding your phone. I I don't know if you're really with me here. Well, I am with you because I can't memorize things very well. Oh, so, okay. So I, I have a story. I thought you were modeling my teams. <laughs> no, but I am going to challenge you on the phones at the table, and I'm going to challenge you with this story. Um, so about beginning of September, we had a, an opinion uh, article published with the Herald, mm -hmm. and our boss, Robin Romano, she um, wrote this story about a time when she was on the line supporting folks. And I want to read you the beginning of it because it applies particularly right now to Thanksgiving, and her words are better than mine. Imagine sitting at a large table eating Thanksgiving dinner with your extended family. As the potatoes and gravy are passed around and the conversation flows, you discreetly pull out your cell phone and begin a conversation under the table. Your family has no idea what you're going through, no idea about the dark thoughts you're having. Instead, you turn to a stranger for help. You detail your struggles at school, your feelings of hopelessness, your thoughts of suicide. As your family eats and talks and laughs, you text with a Connect Teen volunteer. This is a real scenario that played out a few years ago at the Distress Centre. A youth in distress turned to Connect Teen, the 24-7 confidential peer support. From a bustling dining room, the teenager texted their feelings to a volunteer, also a teenager, who was in our office to help. 
This is one of tens of thousands of stories. But really, what it's about is literally you're surrounded by everyone and you still feel alone. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. is powerful. Their lifeline was under the table, yeah. on their phone, to a stranger, a, a professional a stranger. stranger. Yeah, well, a teenager. Yeah. Another teenager, and that's that's part of it. And I, and I wanted to bring that one up because for me particularly, we talk about the family dynamics. We mm-hmm. all have the Uncle Bob that says something inappropriate or racist, and we all have, you know, someone who doesn't bring their fair share of the food. But sometimes you're at the table, and in the midst of that busyness and that hustle and bustle, you feel completely disconnected, yeah. like you don't belong. Is that, and, and I want to get more into, you know, how people can find Connect Teen, how the yeah. teens can find that. Uh, but is that one of the signs, Karen, that we need to talk with somebody or, or take a pause when we are around people? We are around familiar people. We're certainly not alone, yep. but feel lonely. You know, I think it's one of the things, and if you're if you're the person who's feeling it, it makes it extra hard, right? Because you honestly don't feel you can connect with someone in that moment for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And it could be for years. It could be a teenager that's just completely disconnected from the parental figures. Um, but it could also be one of the adults at the table who's putting on a good face. Yeah. And they're, they're there, you know, maybe it's the person who does the turkey dinner and everything. And every year they do it all. But inside they're thinking... This is hell. I really don't want to be here, and I don't want to be the one responsible for this. So it's paying attention to the signals, and it's also sometimes, I think, dialing it back. We have a lot of traditions, and sometimes we do them for just the fact that it's been done before, yeah. and it's okay to change them. When you were talking about board games earlier, that's my family. After after our dinner, frequently we sit down and play Catan, or yeah. we pull out, or we pull out, um, we got... PlayStation, everything you can possibly ask for, and we'll get out the console and we'll start playing together and laughing. And so it's finding ways to shift it. You don't have to follow all the traditions to make it work. Well, and it, probably that's part of it. You, you've set the stage for Thanksgiving, but you might not be in the mood, but now's not the time to bring up my feelings. No. Yeah, and you sort of feel like this is an expectation. I think you think about it. There's a long weekend and everything, every month of our year except for two i think yeah and those expectations around quote-unquote family dinners um coming in reese and i were talking about you know there's in-laws then there's you know your own family and when you're young people you're torn because you have all these expectations and maybe what you need this weekend for your own mental health is to say no Mm. good luck on that one yeah there it is right exactly so how do you do that and and For me, it's about compromising. You know, my daughter and her partner, if they have dinner with their in-laws, we always say, I don't care what day. We can do it next weekend. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Don't stress it out. Yeah, I mean, does it have to be on one particular day or one particular weekend if it is about getting together? Yeah, I've never cooked Christmas dinner on Christmas Day for about 15 years. Works for you, eh? Well, you know why? Because the kids would play and I got missed everything. (laughs) There's that, And I'd rather do it the next day or the day after. And then we all sit there in our new pajamas and get comatose on turkey. Get it done. So I wonder, you know, if if there has been issues in the past around that table when it comes to uh, conversation that might turn to conflict. Should I lay ground rules out uh, when I my guests come so. in? I think so. Have fun with it, you know. Put a, put a note on everybody's plate that basically says these topics are off limits. Yeah. Um, I know in our house we love to talk about religion and politics, but we also know how to have debates and conversations. If your family doesn't have those boundaries, then lay them out and here's the expectations and follow through. It's just like good parenting, anything to do with your family. You have to believe what you say and you have to follow through. 
Okay, let's let's bring it back before we wrap up here. Connect Teen, yeah. which we talked about uh, earlier. How do people get uh, you know not only in touch, but can people help out with Connect Teen? Because you mentioned there was a, a teen on the other line helping. Yes, yeah, we have teens that work in the evenings and all day on the weekends. That they're the ones that answer. Honestly, it's not the phone; it's text and yeah, chat yeah. Um, because kids don't phone anymore. Um, and so there's always ways to help in terms of we're looking for Connect Teen volunteers. So if you have a keen teenager who's looking to build something up for their potential resume to get into school. It's a great place. But also that kid that everybody goes to and asks for help. Maybe that one needs the training because yeah. they know how, need to know how to set boundaries. Incredible. And the timing is, is great because we're going to be in these potentially high-stress situations, not yep. just Thanksgiving, but as we move toward the 100%. holidays. 100%. Thanks so much, Karen. We appreciate your time. Happy Thanksgiving. It's Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker working out of the Distress Centre. More details, distresscenter.com. And again, the crisis chat and text available 24 hours a day, 403-266-HELP. What is behind the rise in the use of ADHD medication among adults in Canada? Joining us to discuss the issue is Alia Abijaude, Assistant Professor, Department of Psychology at the University of Toronto. Good morning to you, Professor. Good morning, Andrew. Thank you for having me. And just a small correction. It's the Department of Psychiatry, not psychology. Psychiatry. I apologize. Thank you very much. I for just, that. I just, I just don't want the psychologist to be upset. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's going to get along. Thank you so much. Uh, so, so what factors are contributing to the increasing diagnosis of ADHD in adults even later in life? Well, this is a very curious trend. Um, and, and at this point, we can only speculate. So first of all, I'm sure probably some of this is uh, people who had ADHD and were not recognized before, and they've gotten proper recognition and they're getting proper supports and interventions and, and, doing, and are better off as a result of this. However, the rise is massive and you have to wonder what else could be going on. Um, we know that there has been, and there have been a number of conditions in recent years that have risen in terms of people presenting, talking about having them, where social media has played a big role. And I think that social media in this case it is playing a not insignificant role, at least some role, uh, in terms of social contagion. Basically, people being bombarded by content on ADHD and then starting to wonder if they have it. To give you an idea, the, the, on TikTok, for example, just a couple of years ago, the hashtag ADHD had about 5 billion views. By last year, we were talking over 10 billion. By now, it's over 20 billion views. So it's massive, the, 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 the extent of uh, content on ADHD on, on social media. And people might start wondering if they have it. Um, you know, they might be having some issues with focusing. I mean, who, who, who doesn't sometimes have difficulty focusing? You have a tedious task and, and you start wanting to do other things. But, the, you know, the, the, the irony is that, that sometimes this difficulty could be a result of, uh, of smartphones and social media because they're so distracting. You know, they're constantly interrupting your thinking, your workflow, and that could be part of the reason. Another thing is... People could be sleep deprived. We know mm -hmm. that people are often taking their phones to bed with them. And as a result, they, they, they are, we have an issue with sleep deprivation in our society, which makes it harder to focus. They may be stressed either because they're falling behind or for other reasons. 
and that can make it harder to focus and and other things too i mean in fact the another thing to wonder about is 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 it also there's increasing demands on people at at jobs you know you're compared you might you know what's what's who's to say what's enough productivity it might be enough it might be good enough uh, based on some measure but maybe compared to your colleagues who are also under pressure to perform you're doing less so then you start to wonder do i have difficulty focusing so and then you're exposed to all this stuff on social media Plus, I should say, there's heavy marketing from the pharmaceutical industry, basically the drug makers uh, that make these drugs, and also from private ADHD clinics. So all, all of this together, I think, is contributing at least in part to this massive rise of uh, that we're seeing. Now, but the rise is in diagnosis, not just people stepping forward to be tested, so to speak, or, or seeking out help. Is that not, to a certain extent, a positive for those folks who might not have been aware of ADHD in the past? Well, I, I do. I certainly, I think to some extent it is a positive because, uh, as I said, I, I'm sure at least some of these people have had ADHD that was under-recognized and now that it is recognized and, and it's positive that they've gotten a proper diagnosis. However, I think at least in part, again, there are some people that are being misdiagnosed and from, from the best of intentions, but there's a lot of evidence that there's overdiagnosis of ADHD going on for various sources of evidence. So for example, we know historically, if you're a child in the classroom and if you're in the younger in the class, so you're born later in the year for your, relative to your, uh, your classmates, you are at higher chance for being diagnosed with ADHD. And so just to introduce an example of subjective factors, uh, we also know a lot of this recent increase in diagnosis is with milder cases. So it's not like the people who are, have clear-cut ADHD. It's people are struggling with focusing, but there could be other issues that should be explored. And then we also know that some of these private clinics, um, not saying all of them, but but some of them, they're, it's dubious they're, 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 how thorough their assessments are. Like To give you an example, there's a journalist in the UK who went and got a proper assessment at their public health service, a very thorough assessment, and was told he did not have ADHD. He then went to three different uh, such private clinics. These are virtual, for-profit, large uh, clinics. And... Um, and in all three of them, he was told he had ADHD and was offered uh, medication for it. Wow, interesting. So, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, misdiagnosing people. But is there a concern that some folks are on ADHD medication that shouldn't be? And would there be any health risks involved with that? Absolutely. Any medication, you know, medications, uh, while they can be helpful, uh, they can also be harmful. And... Um, you can have all sorts of uh, harms from medications. Uh, some, and then specifically with stimulant medications, you can have some common issues like, for example, interfering with sleep. These medications can disrupt your sleep. And then guess what? The irony is good luck focusing if your sleep is disruptive. They can cause psychological difficulties like increased anxiety, even agitation, irritability. Uh, and then there are more rare side effects. Oh, oh, and before I get to the rare side effects, there's also concerns with these drugs being abused uh, um, in, in, in our society. And then there are more rare side effects, but the more rare side effects, even if they're rare for an individual, when you start using these medications on a mass level, they become more concerning.
Is there, can you describe to me the benefits and what somebody would feel if they do have ADHD, have been officially diagnosed and get on the medication? Uh, how much of a, a positive impact would that medication be on someone's life? Well, in the right context, it can be a large positive impact. But we, but I should, we should take a little bit of a step back first. And and I would say, the first thing is, if if you do have ADHD and you get the proper diagnosis, it's not just about medication. There are all sorts of uh, behavioral and environmental strategies that you can use to to uh, to improve uh, your issues with focusing. Strategies that I might add can be helpful for anyone, whether you have ADHD or not. And it starts with, even with just lifestyle basic lifestyle stuff, ensuring you are sleeping well, you have a proper healthy diet, you're physically active. And then some some practical things like taking breaks, uh, removing distractions, all sorts of things that can make a big difference. And then for some people, medication can be a useful tool. And 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 if they're if they're fortunate enough, it can make a big difference. But not for everyone, unfortunately. But for some people, it uh, it certainly can. So so if I suspect I might have ADHD, where's my first stop? Do I, do I go to my family physician and have a discussion or what's the best resource uh, to get the ball rolling? I would say the best resource is not TikTok. The best resource yes. is, as you said, going to your family physician, uh, getting uh, an assessment. And if your family physician is uncertain, uh, you can get a referral for a more in-depth assessment. Unfortunately, depending on, on the province, uh, mm -hmm. access to these more in-depth assessments is very variable and it can take a while and it can be costly. So in the meantime, I would say, to look up what are useful strategies to help with uh, people staying focused. And then starting with that, already you can make a difference. E again, whether you have ADHD or not, these are uh, useful uh, measures to take to, uh, to help you feel better about yourself in terms of the work that you're doing. And maybe not uh, leaning so much on Dr. Google or Dr. TikTok. I, I like that approach. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. That is Alia Abi Jaude, Assistant Professor, Department of Psychiatry at the University of Toronto.